you would please, Psalm chapter number 90. And we'll begin reading in verse number 10. Psalm chapter number 90 and verse number 10. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God this evening. Psalm chapter number 90 and verse number 10. The Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening. Lord, I rest upon your power and upon the power of your word. Whatever is going to be done, if there will be any lasting impact, it must be done by you. So I pray that you would please speak to your people's hearts. I yield myself to you. I beg you please for your filling, for your guidance and direction. Guide my thoughts. Guide my speech. Please help me to say those things that you would have me to say and not to say those things that you would want me to avoid. I pray that you would lead throughout the service, pour out your spirit upon your people. Help us this evening, please. We pray this in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. The psalmist says in verse number 12, So teach us to number our days. In verse number 10, he essentially gives us the number of our days. Now, you see it where the Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Well, that's a really rosy outlook on life, isn't it? (laughs) Now, there is some context here and some background that we're going to get into here in just a moment. Why it is that the psalmist is speaking in this tone. But, You remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, that the Lord, when He saw the wickedness upon the earth, He said that His Spirit would not always strive with man and that His days would be in 120. There are only a few people that we know of that have reached 120 years since those days. As man's years started to melt off little by little, uh, then man's days began to shorten. How many of you remember back in the old days, Willard Scott on NBC would do birthdays of people that were 100 or more on, I don't remember if it was the morning show or what it was. Any of you remember that? And they would, they would, they would bring up uh, pictures of these folks that had had their 100th birthday. And I remember as a kid watching that, and, and when those people would come on that had had their 100th birthday or their 105th birthday or whatever it was, and they would celebrate them nationally, and you'd see there, I remember, I remember thinking, wow, 100 years, that's amazing. The Bible tells us here that man's days are generally three score and ten. Now, a score is an old numerical term uh, in the Bible, days, that meant twenty. So, uh, if a score is twenty and there are three of those score, then you multiply twenty times three and you get sixty. Now, the Bible says 
uh, that the number of our years are three score years, and then if you add 10 to that three score, you have 60 plus 10, which is 70. Now, obviously, people live past that time, and people die earlier than that time. This is not a magical equation that everybody in this room is going to die when you hit 70 years old, and aren't you glad about that? But the Bible does say that if we live to that number of years and then we get to the number where we surpass that, and if by strength, or excuse me, if, uh, if by reason of strength they be four score years, so that would be 80 years, then those years are, uh, uh, those years are labor and sorrow. And, and, you know, there is a lot of truth to that. You, you see that uh, as the years go by, the body doesn't heal the same, the uh, the things that used to be easy aren't easy anymore, and it takes a lot more labor. As you get into those latter years, past that 70th year, it takes a lot more labor to do the things that you used to do, and sometimes those years come with a little more sorrow. Now, the psalmist here is having a very negative outlook on life, and there is a reason for that. Could you go please with me to the beginning of the psalm and look at who wrote the psalm? So, right under or somewhere near where it says Psalm number 90, I want you to look underneath that. It says a prayer of who? Moses, the man of God. Do you see that? Now, we know that Moses wrote a couple of these psalms. David, of course, was the great psalmist of, uh, of, of, uh, of these uh, passages and, and wrote the majority of them or, or more than any other person. Moses writes a few of them, and this is one. What do we know about Moses' years? Well, we know that he grew up in his first 40 in the house of Pharaoh and that things went really well. And then we know that he spent another 40 on the backside of the desert after he killed a man. And there he was essentially a shepherd. And then during those 40 years, God came to him and spoke to him and told him that he wanted to lead his children out of Egypt. And it was the latter 40 years of Moses' life that he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And unfortunately, during that portion of his life, it was a very hard time of his life. What do we know about the years of Moses leading of the children of Israel. We know that they constantly murmured and complained. We know that at times they mocked him and made fun of him. We know that at times they, they, they questioned his decisions. We know that, that uh, as they came to the edge of the promised land, what happened there? Moses communicated to the people that they were to go into the promised land and conquer it and take those lands for themselves, but what happened instead? When they came to the edge of the promised land, there were only two of the men who came back and said that they could do it by the power of God. They could do it. The other ten said, there's no way. We can't accomplish this. We are as grasshoppers in their eyes. Or is it in our eyes? But anyway, uh, we can't defeat the giants of those lands, and so uh, we can't do it. And after that, they spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering. Is that right? Moses had a very unique lifetime. Forty years in Pharaoh's house. Forty years on the backside of a desert. At least forty years leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. It would seem to be logical to assume that this passage in Psalm number 90 is written during the wilderness wandering years. Most likely as he is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and eventually back to the border of the promised land where Moses would not be allowed to go in. Now then, how do we come to that conclusion? If you'll read the 
the uh, passages that come before this. Matter of fact, let's go back to verse number 1 in Psalm chapter number 90 and let's look at it together. The Bible says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is, out, it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine what? And by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Do you see that? He speaks of the wrath of God. I don't believe that Moses was living, living necessarily under the wrath of God in Pharaoh's house or on the backside of the desert. The only time I know in Scripture when he was living under the wrath of God was during those wilderness wandering years. Is everybody okay? So Moses' outlook on life at this time is not very positive because of his life experiences. And I imagine so. I wonder what a psalm would sound like if any of us wrote it at certain stages of our life. <laughs> but he comes to this thought. And he realizes that life is short. And he asks God to do something. So teach us to number our days. As we come into the new year, I think it would be important for us as we begin to consider what has happened in years past and what could happen in years in the future if the Lord tarries His coming. I think it would be good for everybody in here to begin to consider exactly what Moses said. Teach us to number our days. Church, the Bible says that even if we get those 70 or 80 years or more, that life is like a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. Now there is no doubt that the life that we will live in eternity will be much greater than the life that we live here. And we look forward to that life. We look forward to eternal life. And I thank God that we have that hope to rest in. But God does not intend for His people to live in misery in this life. If God wanted us just to be in heaven, He could have just created us all in heaven and we'd just go up there and have a party. That's not what He did. He originally created man so that He could get glory out of the creation of the world and of mankind and of all the creatures and so on and so forth. But He also created man not only for His own glory, but also so that we could fellowship with Him. And we've discussed that here in recent services. And when God put man on the earth, there are multiple times that God tells His people that He wants to bless them and He wants to prosper them. And, you know, I, I say sometimes that, uh, you know, these prosperity preachers are not helping anybody. In reality, they're not because they do often preach a false gospel. But I do believe that God does want His people to prosper and be blessed. 
It's a good thing to think that way. But if you had lived Moses' life and come to this portion of life where now you're living in the wilderness with all of these rebellious people, then you might begin to see life in a little more negative connotation. And so he comes to this period of life and he says, so teach us to number our days. Now listen, only a person with an eternal focus can truly number their days. And that's why I believe Moses asks God to teach us to number our days. Because, listen, most people that don't have any sight of eternity, whether or not they will die and go to hell or die and go to heaven, most people that are just living for the here and now don't consider anything past today. They're just in it to please themselves for today. And so often it takes a God consciousness and a consciousness of eternity to really put things in life in this, in this life in perspective. And so often it takes God to teach man that our time here is short and that it should not be wasted. And so Moses pleads with God, knowing that because they had spent so many days under the wrath of God, he says, so then, Lord, please teach us to take the number of our days seriously and to go back and count them and see how much time it is that we have left. Can I say you should not take one single day for granted? You might have had some tough days in 2022 and who knows what's headed for us in 2023, but don't take one single day for granted. No matter how hard things might get, every day that we get up and we have breath in our lungs to spend another day with our family, to spend another day worshiping and serving our Lord, to spend another day enjoying the birds and seeing the sunshine is a good day. Don't take a day for granted. It's important for us to number our days because we need to take every day as importantly as it should be. Not only are the days of our life short, but my word, the days that we have together are so short. The amount of time that our children fly out of our homes happens in an instant. The amount of time that we get to spend with our mom and dad seems like so long sometimes when we're a kid, but after they're gone, it seems so short. So teach us to number our days. Yes, our own days are short, but the days that we have with others are short as well and they fly away. We should consider the time that we have and do our best for God in that time. If I have 70 years, may those 70 years end with me being faithful to the Lord. I heard a message preached a few years ago that man should look to the end of his life, consider where you want to end up, work backwards to where you are today, and make a plan to get there. How do you want to end your days? Do you, do you want to end them faithful? Do you want to end them with somebody saying, He stuck it out. She never left the Lord. Do you want your family around your bedside as you take your last breath saying, They were faithful. Then in order to do that, 
You have to take every day seriously and consider where you want to be and right now begin to lay the framework for that to take place. You're probably not going to end up faithful in your last days if you're having a hard time getting to church today. If you want to be faithful to the Lord when you're 70 and 80 years old and 90 years old, 100 years old and taking your last breath, then what you need to do is you need to determine today that from this day forward, I'm going to be in the house of my God. So teach us to number our days. May we look to the end of them and determine where we want to be. Where do you want to be in your marriage? Do you want your kids to look back and, and, and regret the years that they had to spend watching their mom and dad split up? And at the end of your years, you look back and see that it was hurt and turmoil and trouble in your marriage. Or do you want to look to the end of your days and see that we made it? We did good. We loved each other. We continued to love our children. Is that what you want to see? If it is, then dedicate yourselves to each other now and work on your marriage now now and don't take a single day for granted. Well, we'll have time to fix that tomorrow. Fix it today! Well, I'm so frustrated and annoyed with what he did. Alright, but where is this headed? If you don't consider where this is headed and start working backwards to where you are now, then you're going to miss it. And you may look back on these days with regret. So take the time to consider what time you have left and work on it. Work on your marriage today. Lord, help us to number our days. Listen, we hope we get 70 or 80 years or more. But we don't know that tonight might be the last night. I don't have the promise that I'll wake up and see my family tomorrow. I want to. But you know what I think I'll do after church tonight? I'll take every moment I can with my kids and try to soak up every moment that I can because I don't know if we're all going to see each other when we wake up. When we wake up. Teach us to number our days so that they may seem important to us now. Divorces don't usually end with both parties saying that was the best period of my life. They nearly always end with regret. I've rarely seen somebody go through divorce and the second or third or fourth marriage that they go to, they just say, wow, that was a great experience. It's not how it goes. So work on it now. Understand how important today is. So teach us to number our days. So that we can learn the value of them. Sometimes as Christians, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I don't want to spoil the study. I may go through a study with the church at some point through the book of Ecclesiastes. When you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and I've, I've made reference to it a few times because it made such an impact on my life when I did the study. When you go to the book of Ecclesiastes and read page upon page, verse upon verse of what is called the book of the preacher. Now Solomon was not qualified to be a preacher by any stretch of the imagination by the end of his life. He had lived in great sin. 
He was the wisest man in the earth in his days, and there will never be a man that was wiser than him. But you begin to get through the first part of that book, and he says that he decided basically just to experiment with everything to see what was good and what was bad, what was foolish and what was wise, what brought him joy and what brought him, uh, or what didn't bring him joy. And he decided just to experiment and sample just about everything in life without any self control. And by the end of it, he says the conclusion of the whole matter is to fear God and keep his commandments. What you get in the book of Ecclesiastes is essentially an entire book preached from a life of regret. Where he realizes the years that he wasted doing things that didn't matter and amounted to nothing. And he said the conclusion of it all is to fear God and to keep His commandments. But in the midst of that book, do you know one of the things that he says is truly a blessing in this life? Oh, vanity of vanities! All is vanity! And you hear it repeated over and over and over again throughout that book. And it, it really can't get much more negative. But you know one thing he says a couple of times throughout the course of that book? Is that for man to be blessed by God and to be able to enjoy the blessings of God is a gift from God. For a person to be able to enjoy in these days, while we live in days of vanity, where the things that we spend our time in sin doing are not worth our time and they end up just in waste, listen to me, when you receive the blessing of God of a good family and of a little bit of wealth and food on your table, that He says it is a gift from the Lord to be able to enjoy that while you can. Because those days come like seasons and they make themselves wings and they fly away. And, and listen, what we've got to do is understand that when you have some blessings in your life, you ought to not take them for granted. Listen to this preacher this evening. If you've got a wife on your arm, husbands, don't take it for granted. If you've got a husband on your arm, wives, don't take it for granted. Good, I want to make sure I didn't get that reversed. your kids are sitting at the table with you eating dinner, don't take it for granted. It's a gift from the Lord to be able to enjoy those blessings. And if there is anything in this life that is worth enjoying, it's those small gifts that we get that we often miss. When Solomon had all of the wealth in the, in the world and he had everything that he needed, he said the truth is that that stuff doesn't last forever so you better enjoy it while you can. And it truly is a gift from the Lord to be able to enjoy the harvest of your work, to enjoy the love of your family. It is a gift from God and so while you can, enjoy it. Parents, enjoy your kids. Don't skip out on the days that matter. Take a little time every now and then to, 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 to notice each other and to spend time with each other. These days fly. Make sure to take the time to number your days and understand how short they are with one another and take them seriously. Give them the value that they should be given. God doesn't want us to live this life and just let it pass by without noticing the days that we're living in right now. Put value in, the, in your life every single day. You know, because thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will buy and sell. And he goes on to say, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Put everything you can 
into living your best life for the Lord, into living your best life with your family, into making 2023 the best year you've ever had. Why? Maybe not because your circumstances are better, but because you're not going to let a single day pass you by that isn't valued. Value every day. Value every day you can pick up that phone and talk to mom and dad. I don't call my parents like I should. Life gets busy. My wife works hard to talk to her mom and dad at least once a week. I, I know I need to be doing that. We probably talk about once a month or so, mom and dad, and dad more, you know, because you, I have the, the privilege of picking a very wise pastor father's brain a lot of times. Any day you can dial that number and mom and dad pick up on the other end. That's a good day. Teach us to number our days and put the value in them that should be in them. Parents, the days that your kiddos are running around your house and you hear the pitter-patter of their feet. Value those days. When your son runs out of the bedroom and jumps on the couch first thing in the morning and you're ready to pull out your hair because you're thinking, oh my soul, I'm barely awake yet and this kid is already at top speed. Number your days and see the value in it. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I want to say this. I need to move on. I guess this would be point number two. Teach us to number our days that we can place the value in them that they require and deserve. Secondly, teach us to number our days that we may live in future successes, not past failures. Moses had sinned and made mistakes people had fallen into sin and made mistakes the judgment of God was on them in the wilderness and in the midst of that it seems Moses asked God to teach them the number of their days so they can see the shortness of what's left and learn from the mistakes of their past listen to me there's no more time to live in past mistakes God didn't save His people and forgive His people for His people to drag themselves through the mud and never be useful to Him. There's no more time to live in failure. There's no more time to live in the past. God wants us to do the best we can from this point forward. So teach us to number our days, not only that we may value every day, but so that we may see what we can do for Him in the future and get over the things in our past. 
I beg you this evening, if you've made mistakes in the past, if you have sinned against God, repent of it and get right. Can I say to you, only the devil wants you to live a life of regret where you continue to stay away from God because of the things that you've done against Him. It's not God that wants you to stay away from this altar. It's not God that wants you to run away from Him in rebellion. It's God that is pleading with you and searching for you like a shepherd for His lost sheep and He longs for you to come back to Him. And so I'm telling telling you this evening, if you're away from God, get back to the Lord and learn from your past mistakes. Get over the past failures. Let God forgive them and cover them with His blood and move on for the Lord. But you say, I've been struggling with this for years. Great. This is a good time to turn over a new leaf and start living for God. But you don't understand my addiction. All right then. Start working on it today. Start working on it today. Addictions are not overcome overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. And you'll go through stages of success and failure and success and failure. And you've got to keep on keeping on. It's the devil that wants you to stay in the past. It's God that wants you to live in victory. Get on the victory side of life and stop wallowing in your failures. God doesn't want you there. Your family can't afford for you to be useless anymore. You've got to get over what you've done and move on for the Lord. You've got to make yourself useful for Him again. All right, you messed up. You promised at the beginning of 2022 that you'd never do that again. And you did. And you beat yourself up over it. And it's time to stop doing that. Confess it, forsake it, and move on. I believe that as long as you're sitting here and still breathing, God still wants to do something for you. So move on. Give God the chance to work in your life again. So teach us to number our days that we may prepare for future successes and not live in our past failures. Is everybody okay? Moses couldn't afford to live in the past mistakes of Israel. He needed to know how to number his days from that day forward and make something out of it. Next. You know what? On that point, I can't move on. The life you now have may not be perfect because of some of the things in the past. But you can still make the most of it. Now listen, Moses and the older generation were never going to see the promised land. It was over for them. Some consequences will be so great, your life will never get back to what it could have been. And I want to preach a warning to those of you that still have your entire future ahead of you and don't have any great mistakes and regrets in your past, please understand something. There are some things you can't come back from. And you may may still go to heaven, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to live with your consequences. This entire... One of the reasons why Moses was so negative was because he was living under the consequences of some of all of their mistakes. You can go too far and lose the blessings that you could have had. 
Now, I don't know if Moses spoke this passage before or after God removed from him the ability to enter into the promised land. I don't know. I don't know the timing of it. But I know this. That just because there may have been some things in your past that have changed your life and altered it completely, it does not mean that you cannot make the most of it from this day forward. You might be living with somebody else's mistakes. And that's something maybe we don't say enough. But sometimes just because a person thinks they're living under judgment doesn't mean that they're living under judgment because of something they've done. Churches can deal with the consequences of the choices of a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. Families can pay the consequences for the bad choices of a parent. And sometimes folks live under a cloud because they think God is against them when in reality what really happened was that you just had to live with the mistakes that somebody else made. And because they were being judged, you feel like you're being judged, but that doesn't mean that God is against you because of something that somebody else did. Moses was in the wilderness with these people and he was living with the consequences of their refusal to go into the promised land. Your circumstances might be tougher because of somebody else's choices. But you can learn to number your days and make the most of what you can do for God. Some people deal with abuse that is unfathomable. And they feel like because of that, that God is against them God hated them. Some deal with parents that didn't care like other families had. Some deal with abandonment and being left alone. And if you're not careful, you'll live your life feeling like it was your fault when it had nothing to do with you. It's not your fault that you lived under that cloud and you can make something of your life and you can be better than what your past was and God does want to make something great out of you. Would you please listen to this preacher here this evening? Some of the greatest servants of the Lord are the ones that came through some of the toughest times. So teach us to number our days. I guess I'll close with this. I changed my notes and things didn't come out exactly the way I wanted them to. But So teach us to number our days. And I want to say, as we head into the two th year 2023, as we started the year 2023, maybe some of you, from year to year, I don't know how you feel about this, making resolutions and goals and things, but I think those things are good. 
I think everybody here ought to set some spiritual goals. You ought to decide to attend more church this year, to read a little more Bible this year, to pray a little more this year, to see a few more souls saved, to give a little more to mission. Set some spiritual goals. Set some health goals. Take care of yourself. God doesn't want us to God doesn't want us to look at the world that is all about their physiques and their appearances and go to the opposite extreme and say, well, the Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth little, so I just don't need to do it. I disagree. Bodily exercise profiteth little in the eternal spectrum, but your family sure could use you around. Take care of yourself. Set some health goals. (laughs) I've been saying since before the the New Year started. um, You know, and some of you may laugh about this, but it's true. Uh, Little by little, some of my, my suits have started getting a little tight. And, you know, so... A few months ago, I said, enough is enough. I'm not, I'm not, I can't do this. I can't grow out of all my suits. I don't want it to buy new ones. So started started trying to lose some weight and lost some weight. And, man, it keeps creeping up on me. And I say, you know, I, I, I want to lose some weight. And then I sit down almost every night with a dessert and a coffee. And last night, I told my wife, I said, honey, please, please stop making desserts. I can't control myself. She'll make it just as soon as we finish off one dessert, she'll make another one. And I I have no self-control. Pumpkin pie. I just just polished off the last of her pumpkin pie, and it was amazing. But the the scale keeps creeping up. And I say, i got to get a handle on this, and I never do it. Set some health goals this year. Take care of yourselves. Your family needs you around. Your church needs you around. So, well, I don't have any family in my house. My family abandoned me a long time ago. All right. Well, your church needs you around. You're loved here, and you're valuable to this preacher. Take care of yourself. Set some financial goals. This is the year to get some things in order financially. You can do it. Don't put it off for another day. Set some financial goals for paying off some of those debts, setting yourself up up for some retirement. It's a good thing to do that. Now listen, I do believe that we ought to have a giving spirit, but I don't believe necessarily that God intends for all of His people to live broke. We saw this morning that clearly the, the Lord Jesus Christ became poor so that we could be rich. And we don't have to have anything. God will meet our needs. There's no question about that. But do you understand that some of God's greatest servants in the Bible that we name the most were some of the richest people that ever lived? God's not against His people having a little wealth. You understand the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, but he was a king that had everything at his disposal. And God made him rich on purpose. You understand that that as we spoke of Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. You understand that Abraham, when God led him away from his family, eventually God prospered him with his flocks and herds so much that not even he and Lot could dwell in the same land together. 
You understand that Job was the richest man in the earth in his days. God is not against his people having a little money. He just doesn't want us to be tight-fisted with it and think that we made it and think that it's all about us and he doesn't want money to own us. Set some financial goals. Set some family goals. Set some marriage goals. Set some personal goals. And whatever you do, make sure they're realistic goals. So teach us to number our days. That we may place the value in them that we should. So teach us to number our days that we may plan for future success and not live in past failure. Time is too short. Number your days and live them to their fullest this year. We need some families to get right with each other tonight if there's been tension between children and parents. We need some church members to get some relationships right this evening so that you can live with the blessing of God and not have to deal with all of that tension and bitterness and frustration. You may not have that person tomorrow. Teach us to number our days that we may apply wisdom and apply our hearts unto wisdom. If you're struggling in sin, don't put it off for another day. Get it right with God tonight. So teach us to number our days. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please take these truths and imprint them upon our hearts and minds. I pray that you would bring us to a point of decision this evening. If there are things that we've been living in, we need to let go. I pray that you would help us to do so. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to value every day that you give us and not to take it for granted. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say tonight, Preacher, if I were to die today, no question.